Trade between the US and China hit a record high last year. Despite hostile political rhetoric between the world's two biggest economies, but if trade is still doing well, why are American companies in China turning wary? Michael Hart is the president of the American Chamber of Commerce in China, an organization that represents 900 US firms doing business in the country. Amcham China has been surveying their members on the state of business there for over 25 years, and recently they released a rather surprising report. I'm Ling Xueling, executive producer and journalist with CNA, and this is In Conversation with Michael Hart. Michael Hart, welcome to In Conversation. Thank you. It's great to join you. For the first time, your survey is showing that American companies may not be so keen on investing in China. What's changed? So there's a number of things that have made the MCM China companies less optimistic about investing in China. One of them is sort of the past three years of COVID zero has really just worn people down. So it's a it's not a one time thing. It's a compounding over several years of uh, the really struggle to run the business in China. That's number one. Number two, the Chinese economy itself has slowed. It used to be that China was an obvious place to be because the economy was growing so fast, so it has slowed. And the third thing is, U.S.-China relations dominate every conversation, uh, and so that has become a real headwind for folks doing business in China. If we look though at the numbers, U.S.-China trade overall was at a record high last year. So while the political rhetoric may be really dismal. Are actually Amcham members doing pretty good business still in China? So it's an interesting question and it's a key point. Number one, um, Amcham China companies last year did for the first time tell us that more of them are not making money than are making money. So the truth is, Amcham China member companies、um, are struggling to make a profit in China. Number two, and it's a really good point. Many many people benefit from U.S. China trade and don't even understand it. So U.S. consumers appreciate it.、Um, U.S. exporters they benefit from U.S.-China trade, and there's a number of people that benefit from trade who are not here. And it's really important for Amcham China, who represents companies in China who are leading this trade, to really sort of echo and give feedback to folks in the U.S. to say there are benefits that Americans are receiving from U.S.-China trade that they don't appreciate. And so, you know, what our companies are telling us, they're at the forefront of this trade, and they're having a hard time now. Which means that those benefits may disappear over the coming years. It's taken us 30 or 40 years to get to the point where we are now, where U.S.-China trade is so strong. It won't go away immediately, but if we don't take care of this relationship, those people who benefit from the trade who may not appreciate it、uh, will suffer in the end. Are you saying that the U.S. consumer is unaware that they're benefiting from U.S.-China trade? I do think that U.S. consumers do not fully appreciate how much they benefit from U.S.-China trade.、Uh, we may talk more about costs. One of the things U.S. consumers have benefited from over the past couple decades is lower prices for all kinds of products because China was part of that supply chain. You know, everything from cell phones to auto parts. And so again, yeah, I think it's true. U.S. consumers do not fully appreciate how they benefit from U.S.-China trade. Well, what about the political rhetoric, though, in the U.S. that says, "Well, actually, you shouldn't be in China. You should be back in the U.S. creating jobs in the U.S." You know, this is a discussion that's very puzzling to me, just because、uh, U.S. consumers have benefited so much.、Um, you know, anybody who owns an S and P index where、uh, dividends from companies, you know, go to those 
retirees or those investors. So much of that is tied to China, and I don't think it's well articulated. And so this is part of our job to make sure that people do appreciate the benefits of U.S.-China trade. Uh, and there's a small number of people and, frankly, a, a decreasing size of people who are in China uh, because of uh, travel restrictions, because of visa restrictions. You know, people-to-people -people exchanges have, have stopped. And so this is part of our job is to let people know that the trade relationship is in danger uh, and a lot of people will suffer if U.S.-China trade uh, does eventually decrease. Including Americans, not just the rest of us as well. It'd be bad news for everybody. Yeah, it is amazing. I'm actually at a conference right now, and it's amazing how, you know, Southeast Asia, um, every country in Asia, particularly Southeast Asia, everybody has a link to China. Um, and it's worthwhile remembering that when U.S.-China relations are bad, um, they can impact all kinds of other folks in other industries, you know, a broad range of industries in other countries as well. Are your members at AmCham China under pressure from Washington to make things sound gloomy, do you think? So uh, when we surveyed our companies in the Business Climate Survey, a number of them had said that they feel a political pressure from both sides, from U.S. and from China, to, number one, make political statements, uh, which they don't want to do. Generally, we don't want U.S. business or business in general to get involved in politics. Our business climate survey also told us the number one challenge for U.S. companies in China is U.S.-China relations. So that's just in general impacting them. Number two, when we look HR, at HR specifically, this also impacts them. A large number of expats, for example, uh, do no, no longer are willing to come to China for expat assignments, and that means the companies won't necessarily be well represented. But so there's pressure from the U.S. and there's pressure from China on U.S. companies in China to take a political role, a political stance, and that's not what uh, those companies want to be doing. Do you ever give feedback to Beijing, to the Chinese authorities, that if this keeps going on, it also would mean fewer jobs by American companies in China. And China doesn't want to have fewer jobs. We constantly do give feedback to the Chinese officials at a local level and at a central level about how important uh, China uh, is to the U.S. and much more important to your point, how, how important um, U.S. companies are to China. Recently, we've heard from the Chinese government, they're very keen, for example, to have more FDI. They seem to understand that part of their relationship uh, what they don't understand sometimes is that U.S. companies continue to say there are a number of sectors where trade isn't necessarily fair or fully accessible. And so in October uh, at the 20th Party Congress, there was a big emphasis on China becoming self-sufficient. And so one question that AmCham China has been asking is, is there still a role for American companies here? Um, the government has said in general, yes, there is. But we continue to advocate across a whole host of industries to make sure that U.S. companies can get access to those industries and to make sure that there's what we'll call national level treatment that a U.S. company has the same access that a Chinese company has. And that's what we spend a lot of our time doing. Could it also be that Chinese companies are also beginning to look at other places to invest and not looking at the U.S. the way they would have in the past? Yeah, I do think um, Chinese companies are expanding to other parts of Southeast Asia and to Mexico. Uh, and so, Interesting how China and the U.S., um, our companies really are intertwined in global trade. There's basically nobody in the world that does major trade um, that doesn't involve U.S. and China. Um, as I say, I'm in Southeast Asia right now, and I'm talking to a number of people, and they're all impacted by the U.S.-China relationship because they have relations with the United States and they have relations with China. 
Some experts say China's authorities are tightening their grip, making it harder to move money out of the country, and making China less attractive to foreign firms wanting to transfer profits back home. Some financial experts outside of China are beginning to say that it's getting difficult for foreign companies to transfer money out of China. Is that something you're hearing from your members? So moving money um, out of China has never been as easy as other markets because China does have a closed capital system. Uh, when we did our survey, that is not one of the major concerns that they've raised to us. Um, so I think most companies have already built in uh, the more challenging market, moving money in and out of China. But that's not something that has come up uh, as a top complaint from our companies recently. But how much of this is because the survey that you did was in November, before the zero COVID policy was eased off? So we did the survey in October, November, and that was before the end of COVID zero. Uh, we did another flash survey in early February just to make sure that the trend data was all consistent. Uh, and the truth is, it's, it's all pretty much there. In January and February, there was very positive sort of retail sales. So those companies who are reliant on sales uh, in China, they would probably be a little bit more optimistic. But a lot of the pessimism that was shown in our survey came from several years of compounding impact of COVID zero. Uh, right now, you can fly in and out of China if you can get a flight and if you can get a visa. That's still a big if. A number of things like tourism are still not allowed. In most cases, U.S. students are still not allowed to come to China. And so we've been advocating for people-to-people -people exchanges. Um, this spring, a number of U.S. companies are trying to bring their executives here. Uh, they continue to tell us it's hard to get visas. So I would say that a lot of the pessimism and concern that was reflected in our business climate survey is still relevant. Again, it took decades and decades to build up the U.S.-China relationship. The last three years of COVID zero really beat down um, that relationship, and it's going to take a while uh, to improve things again. China's new premier, Li Qiang, says that growth this year is only going to be 5%. Now, I remember the days when 8% was even considered super low, and, you know, you could not go below that. What's happening, and how does that impact how American companies feel about being in China? So you're right. Um, China is not growing at the speed that it was growing before. We have to keep in mind a couple of things. Number one, the Chinese economy is larger. So even at a slightly lower growth rate, that's still pretty significant growth, and that's important. Number two, as long as China continues to grow faster than most other uh, developed or developing nations, it's still a place to be. Uh, one other thing that's not captured in the statistics is that there are certain industries where China is critical. So, for example, in EVs, electric vehicles. So our companies have told us in certain sectors they must be in China because this is where innovation is taking place. And so, again, you know, growth in general is one reason to be here. Sector specific is another reason uh, to be here. Yeah, two thirds of all the EVs in the world are in China. It's right. I mean, and it's a really dynamic market. If you talk to folks in the auto sector uh, or in any sector that feeds into the electric vehicle market, you know, they'll tell you that China is an exciting place to be. Um, some of it's related to, you know, how the government has embraced uh, EVs as part of their um, ecological plan. Uh, but this is definitely a place that those kinds of companies need to be. Have your AmCham members who are not in sensitive areas, so to say, like high tech and chip making, are they still doing pretty okay? So right now, anybody in chips or tech, it's a very difficult time for them to assess exactly 
you know, what markets they can play in, uh, what they're allowed to do, and frankly, to look at sort of the future for the next couple of years. And so, you know, AmCham China companies continue to say to the U.S. government, let us know uh, how you're going to be looking at technology. Of course, these companies have to comply with U.S. law and want to apply uh, to comply with U.S. law. But I will say the landscape for those folks in tech right now is a little bit uncertain. How much of this is not a U.S.-China relations problem, but a general also pivoting away because of supply chain problems from China? In other words, China is becoming expensive, and it may be cheaper for American companies to produce something in Vietnam or Thailand. So there's a couple of good points there. Number one, um, you know, China is no longer a cheap uh, location to do manufacturing. The benefits now to China are because it has a deep supply chain. It does have advanced advanced manufacturing. It has a very large um, supply of labor. A number of companies have slowly started to reinforce their supply chains and their production by putting facilities in Vietnam or other parts of Southeast Asia. I think that trend will continue, but I don't think that that's going to completely undermine China or replace it. Uh, just because the scale uh, and the size of of China in terms of you know labor force, and because China has been you know involved in this overall global network of trade and supply chain for the past couple decades, so it won't be easy to replace it. Uh, although we will see new investment probably finding um, other markets in China. Some AmCham China members are decreasing their investment in China. Saying they aren't as certain about China's business environment anymore, and they're more pessimistic about U.S.-China tensions. Are the best days of U.S.-China trade over? It's a good question to ask. I mean, right now the domestic politics on both sides of the U.S. and China uh, are pretty um, strained. However, if you do look at the amount of trade that goes back and forth. I think even if both countries change direction today, there will still be decades of trade between the U.S. and China, which will be really important. You know, the market uh, and the political cycle we've seen ups and downs, and so you know, I don't think most of our member companies are planning to leave China right now. In fact, I think 74% of them said they have no plans to leave China at this point, and that just reinforces how really important China is as a supply chain and manufacturing base. And so we're going to have to all deal with. Um, U.S.-China relations, you know, for the third year in a row, has been the number one um, concern Amcham China companies have had. Uh, we're just going to have to deal with that and, and see how we can continue to help our companies be successful. And hopefully, U.S.-China business can be, you know, the the base anchor of how we keep relations going. So when political relations aren't great, uh, as long as both countries continue to benefit from trade, hopefully, business can be that. A steadying part of the relationship. Do American companies in China face being defined as friend or enemy purely because of their nationality? So, in most cases,、um, the nationality of the company does not necessarily make us sort of friend or foe. There are a number of areas where、um, U.S. companies seem to be excluded from. Um, selling to, for example,、uh, Chinese SOEs, state-owned enterprises, or to Chinese government entities,、uh, and that's something we continue to advocate to make sure that U.S. companies have full access to sell. The truth is, many of the SOEs and even Chinese government clients say they do want to buy systems or products from U.S. sellers just because the quality and the dependability of those products. And so, we try to make sure that the Chinese understand the case as well. Is that if you eliminate U.S. or foreign companies from the list of suppliers, you're actually not going to be buying the best products available in the market.
So there are a couple examples of U.S. companies who are doing well. One is financial services. So there's been a recent opening where um, retail banks, investment banks can now expand into markets where they weren't able to do before. So they're certainly seeing some success there. Um, healthcare is a huge market in China as well. And as the Chinese consumers become more wealthy, they want access to better systems. And so we have a number of companies, whether they're selling pharmaceutical products into China or in some cases, even starting to do healthcare management where they're bringing great healthcare systems from the U.S. to China. And so these companies are definitely benefiting. And then overall, don't forget that the Chinese consumer for things like, you know, coffee and food um, are, you know, it's a great place to sell. And Brand America is well valued because of the consistent high quality products. Would you like Washington, D.C. to be more friendly in tone debating? So Washington, D.C. and Beijing will do what they both think are best. Uh, we'll be making a trip to uh, Washington, D.C. in May, where we will be advocating on behalf of our members and making sure that we do understand what the concerns are in Washington, but also making sure that they understand you know, our point of view. Uh, we do think that U.S. consumers and U.S. companies benefit very much from U.S.-China trade. We understand that there are some national security concerns on both sides, but we think that that's the minority of the trade, not the majority. And so we do think to make sure that U.S. consumers continue to have access to high quality, relatively low cost goods from China and to make sure that U.S. exporters have a huge market in China, which is very significant. We need to make sure that that uh, trade remains uh, open and available and that we can address the national, national security concerns and not eliminate um, all trade between the U.S. and China. We just don't think that will be, benefit U.S. consumers. In the past, at least in the eyes of the consumer, there appeared to be a decoupling between trade and national security. But now it all seems to be a mash of, of one roiling fear. What changed? Was it Donald Trump coming in that changed all of that? Or is it the rising China? So you're right. It did used to be that trade and national security were completely separate. And now it has become economic strength is seen as something important to a country's um, overall national security. And so those two have merged. Um, to be honest, we still think there's plenty of areas where those two can be sort of separated. We don't think that national security equals 100 uh, percent trade. And so, you know, that's something that we want to continue to have that dialogue. Uh, the truth is U.S. and China right now need each other. And so, you know, any major conflict would be devastating to both countries. Uh, that's probably not a bad realization to have. We both need each other. And so we need to sort of figure out how to work through our conflicts to make sure that, you know, they don't escalate. Uh, and that, you know, again, trade, as you see, again, plays that um, stabilizing uh, role in the U.S.-China relationship. If you were to look at the next AmCham business sentiment survey, what are we going to see? More pessimism or some optimism? So if we have one year uh, until we do the next survey, um, what I'm hopeful is that we will have reestablished a number of people-to-people -people exchanges. And so hopefully the concerns between the two uh, will have de-escalated a little bit. I certainly would hope that U.S.-China relations are not the main concern. It's important to remember that over the past couple of decades, uh, there have been a number of major concerns at those times, including IPR, or market access. What has happened over the past couple of decades, partially because of AmCham China's advocacy, is that U.S. companies have gotten more access. 
And so, for example, financial services is one of those that has benefited. My hope would be that next time we do the survey, uh, you'll see more optimism uh, and you'll see more people-to-people uh, -people exchanges, which will help improve everyone's overall view of the relationship. But is that realistic, given that we're going into a really active political cycle in the U.S. with the presidential election just not that far down the road? And similarly in China, where the administration of uh, President Xi Jinping is wanting to consolidate. So domestic politics on both sides will always play an important role. And so certainly during U.S. elections, uh, presidential elections, the volume gets louder on uh, U.S.-China relations. But we think one of the main concerns is because for the past three years, basically no one's been able to travel back and forth. So it used to be that U.S. would send congressional delegations or executive branch groups to China. Uh, that hasn't been happening. Uh, the Chinese have also just started to travel after three years. Uh, and so it's really important that we get these people-to-people -people exchanges going so people can see that we offer each other a lot more positives than negatives. And we can be um, rivals, but we don't have to be enemies. Michael Hart, thank you very much for being on In Conversation. Thank you. You've been listening to a podcast version of a television interview with Michael Hart, president of the American Chamber of Commerce in China on In Conversation. In Conversation is CNA's longest running weekly interview show. When in season, In Conversation airs every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Singapore time on MediaCorp CNA. You can also catch us online at cna.asia or on YouTube. I'm executive producer Ling Xueling, and thank you for listening.